today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. This guy made the choice to be a friend of the world, and in so doing, he became an enemy of God. You're a spiritual adulterer if you're friends with the world. And not only are you a spiritual adulterer, you're an enemy of God. You've postured and positioned yourself as an enemy of God when you pursue this friendship with the world, in your love for the world, and the things of the world. Does it ever feel like you're too at home in this world? Pastor J.D. reminds us today that we must be careful when it comes to loving the things of this world. When you have passion for the things that are not of God, it's like committing adultery, only spiritually. Be careful to see this world for what it is, a temporary home. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Today, we are, Lord willing, going to finish our study, our verse-by-verse study through 2 Timothy. And our text is going to be chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, and through to the end of the chapter in verse 22. You can follow along as I read. Beginning in verse 9, the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit, writing to Timothy, says, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Lucas with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because He is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Verse 14, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, speaking of his trial, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord, verse 17, stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord, verse 18, will rescue me from every evil attack, and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 19, Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. 
Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so does Pudens, Linus, and Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Wow, a little bit of chicken skin there. Can you just picture the Apostle Paul putting down his pen? This would be the last time he would ever write. So I want to talk with you today about last day's Christians. <laughs> As we were reading through the text today, did you find yourself kind of asking yourself, why in the world would this rise to the level of being inspired canon of Scripture in the Word of God? I mean, we know that all Scripture is God-breathed. But you know how it is whenever you get to the genealogies and the lists of names. Come on, let's be honest. You kind of just read through them real quick. And I think about our study through the book of Numbers. Oh, you're laughing. <laughs> I mean, the book of Numbers gets such bad press. I mean, boring. What's the book of Numbers about? Numbers. <laughs> what in the world? Why do I need to know that? Oh, do you know what's in the book of Numbers? It was, I would argue, in our trek and study through the Bible, one of the most fascinating studies of all of the books of the Bible, the book of Numbers. So much within that book as God-breathed and God-inspired Scripture. Well, such is the case with the passage that we have today. There's a reason it's here. There's a reason we have it in our Bibles. I mean, I understand it would seemingly be of no significance or relevance to us in our day. I mean, Paul is listing these names and he's talking a little bit specifically about who they were, what they did. <laughs> and I would argue that we have this in our Bibles because it is both an example for us and a warning to us in these last days. And here's how I get there. Paul mentions by name, I counted 17 people. I counted it twice just to make sure. Don't start counting it now. Wait till after we're done if you want to count them but he lists 17, by name, 17 people. And this is his final letter. And he's just got done telling Timothy that this is what it's going to be like in the last days. Perilous times will come. He's preparing Timothy for that time when Timothy will not have Paul around anymore. And he's doing everything he can to prepare him for that which is prepared for him. So in this list of names, there is a lesson to be learned, a warning to be heeded, and an example to be seen. 
As we go through them, it's my hope that all of us, I include myself in this, would allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And I mean really search our hearts. Give the Holy Spirit unfettered access to that recess in your heart as we go through them. And allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, and you know, the Lord is always so gentle and gracious. He's a good shepherd. And allow the Holy Spirit to show you, what type of a Christian am I? And also, what type of Christians will I in these last days encounter? What follows are eight types of Christians. You might find more, but I found eight. Eight that I think we would do well to consider. And the first one is in verses 9 and 10, and it's the worldly betrayers. While we're uncertain about the reasons Crescens and Titus left Paul, there's no mistaking the reason that Demas did. We're told it was because of his love for this world and the things of this world, which is really sad because Demas at one time was very close to Paul, so much so that Paul mentions him as a fellow worker in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14, co-laborer. In Philemon 24, he talks about Demas being a co-laborer, and now here to Timothy, he says, he deserted me, he betrayed me, and we're told the reason why is because of his love for the world. The Apostle John, in his first epistle, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. And here's why. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now you got to love the Apostle John, affectionately referred to as the Apostle of Love. But when it comes to James, not so much. And you got to know why, right? James was the half-brother of the Savior. Can you imagine? Growing up in a house where your half-brother was perfect. <laughs> Mom and dad always saying, why can't you keep your room nice like your brother? Because he's God incarnate, maybe? That would be why? I, I, I say that not to be funny necessarily, but to explain why it is that when you read the epistle of James, you walk away from it going, Oh, I mean, you don't, you don't enjoy reading the book of James. You endure reading the book of James. It's one of those books where you walk away from it and you think, am I really still saved after what I just read? 
I mean, he pulls no punches in your face. And such is the case here in chapter 4, verse 4. I mean, he doesn't beat around the bush, as we say. Just right to the point. You adulterous people! How's that for openers? Boy, you preach that in the church today, people won't put up, what, what did you just call me? I'm going to go to that church down the street. Pastor just talked about love. He just called me an adulteress. No, I didn't. I didn't. James in God's Word did. There. That's my story and I'm sticking with it. So, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who, keyword, chooses, they've made that choice. This guy made the choice to be a friend of the world, and in so doing, he became an enemy of God. You're a spiritual adulterer if you're friends with the world. And not only are you a spiritual adulterer, you're an enemy of God. You've postured and positioned yourself as an enemy of God when you pursue this friendship with the world, in your love for the world, and the things of the world, as this man had done. The second one is in the first part of verse 11, and it's faithful followers. This is interesting. Paul says only Luke was there for him. He's all alone except for Luke. You know who Luke was? First of all, he was Paul's personal physician. He was a doctor. And this is also the Luke that God inspired to write, not just the book of Acts, but the gospel bearing his name. This was a faithful man to the end. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the importance of those who are loyal and faithful, especially in these times in which we live. Loyalty is the, the lost art in the Christian church today. There's no more loyalty anymore. Sign of the times, really. And that's what makes the Lukes in this world stand out. And it's to the Lukes in this world that the Savior will say on that great and final day, well done, good and faithful servant, enter in. Notice it's not good and fruitful servant, good and productive servant. No, it's good and faithful servant. You were faithful to the very end. It's not predicated upon how much fruit you bore or how much good works you produced. No, just your faithfulness. This was a faithful man. This was a loyal man. And I would suggest that it came at a time in Paul's life where he really needed a Luke. The third one, it's in the second part of verse 11, and it's what I call successful failures. To me, this is one of the most encouraging examples of how God can turn our faltering and failing into a conquering success and victory. Mark. You know who Mark is? Or who Mark was? 
This is the same Mark that bailed on and failed Paul on the first missionary journey, early into it. He's like, I'm out of here. And he really disappointed Paul. So when it came time for the second missionary journey, it's recorded in Acts, Paul and Barnabas, Paul's like, hey, let's go. Let's go see how the churches that we planted are doing. And here's Barnabas, the uncle of Mark, saying, okay, let let me give, let me send Mark an email so we can bring him along. (laughs) And Paul's like, "Uh, no. And Barnabas is like, "Uh, why not? And Paul's like, it's not going to happen. And we're told in the book of Acts that this led to a sharp dispute So sharp was this dispute between Paul and Barnabas that they split ways. And as far as Scripture is concerned, there's no record of them ever reconciling after that, all because of Mark. Paul's like, I can't take this guy. He's unreliable. He bailed on us the first time. No way. And now all of these years later, at the end of Paul's life, who does he ask for? Mark. Wow, what happened? Is is this the same Mark? A lot of Marks maybe back then, but is this the same Mark? Yeah, it is. What happened? God, as only He can, restored the failed relationship between Paul and Mark. And not only that, God would inspire this Mark to write the gospel also bearing His name. Never give up on people. The mark that bailed on you, the mark that let you down, the mark that disappointed you, never give up on them. God is in the business of restoring failures. I mean, come on, look at yourself in the mirror. There's your first case of God restoring failures. And God, as only He can, can take the failures when we falter. And He can orchestrate, choreograph, if you prefer, the success that comes from that. Let me take it a step further and say that it's been my own personal experience and over the years that I've been walking with the Lord that failures were really never failures because of the lesson that was learned in that failure. And I think you would agree that oftentimes you look back on those times in your life, and were it not for that, you wouldn't be where you're at today in the Lord. He works it out for the good. A lesson is learned, and this is exactly what happened to Mark. You know the the ones that, um, how do I say this, I don't want to (laughs) mar... the beauty in in this uh, account concerning Mark. But you know, the the people that have never experienced failure, those are the ones that I just kind of like, wow, you know, you need to be broken first. You need to hit rock bottom first. You need to fail, quite frankly. (laughs) You need to taste from that cup. You need to drink deeply from the cup of failure, because unless and until you do, you will never taste from the sweet cup of God's grace when He restores you. Think about Peter. 
not only did he fail the Lord, he denied that he even knew the Lord. But God restored him. Three times, by the way, because Peter denied the Lord three times. And Jesus restored him three times. It was so powerful and emotional that Peter just broke down, because he knew what was happening. Because, you know, they made eye contact when he, for the third time, denied that he even knew who Jesus was. Never imagine that he's looking at Peter with eyes of disgust or disdain. He's looking at him with eyes of love and compassion. In fact, he even tried to warn Peter that this is exactly what he was going to do. And then he did it, and he couldn't believe he did it. And then afterwards, the Lord restores him, and he just weeps bitterly. God is a restoring God. God is uh, very attracted to failures. You know, in the Gospels, who do you see Jesus attracted to? Not the elite, not the successful, no, the broken, the failures, the downcast, the weak, the last, the least. That's who he was attracted to. In fact, the harshest words that ever came from the Savior's lips were reserved for the religious leaders of that day. But to the brokenhearted, to the downcast, oh, just love. Love, compassion, restoration. The fourth one is trusted stewards. We see this in verses 12 and 13. Again, we're not told specifically about Tychicus, who Paul had apparently sent to Ephesus. But we are told about this guy by the name of Carpus. And Paul said he's still in Troas. And then he says, I need my cloak. you got to know that it's very cold in that dungeon of a prison where Paul was. But he tells Timothy that he entrusted to this Carpus all of his prized possessions. And he did so because he knew that when he was arrested, those would be confiscated by Rome. Do you see where I'm going with this? That which the Apostle Paul prized and treasured the most, the scrolls, the parchments upon which were written the Word of God, That is what he prized the most, and he entrusted that which he prized the most to this guy. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 2 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are, If God calls you to something, answer His calling. He's faithful to use you and your giftings to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe as you've been listening today, you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. You may already read the Bible. You may even attend church. 
But have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is important. We also encourage you to be a part of a church. If you're ever in the Kaneohe area, we would love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.